KUT's AT Explained is back with a brand new season. Our first episode, what's up with that tower in Clarksville? I've heard it called the Clarksville Eiffel Tower, the tower, the leaning tower of Clarksville, all those names. Subscribe to AT Explained wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget our next AT Explained live show at the Paramount Theater on April 3rd. Brand new stories told live on stage. Get your tickets at austintheater.org. Support for AT Explained Live comes from Meals on Wheels Central Texas and World Interiors. From KUT and KUTX Studios. Hello, and welcome to this song the podcast where artists talk about the songs that changed their lives. I'm your host, Elizabeth McQueen, and this week on this song, we're going to hear first from composer and songwriter Ellis Ludwig-Leon of the band San Fermin, and then from John and Tracy Dell, who lead the Austin band El Tule. And before we get started, I want to let you know that we are trying to get the word out about this podcast as best we can. And We actually really need your help. So if you like this episode, then please share it with your friends. Tweet about it. Help us spread the love. And, you know, thanks in advance. We totally appreciate it. So let's get started with Ellis Ludwig-Leon. He leads the Baroque pop band Sand Fermin, and he actually has a background in composition. He studied at Yale, which is like not the typical path for a pop songwriter. But really, San Fermin is not like a typical pop band. I mean, they're big. They've got eight members. And the music they make, it's pretty epic. Last year, they were touring in support of Alt-J all around the country. And one of their stops was the Austin City Limits Festival. They came backstage to the KUTX tent and performed some acoustic versions of their songs, which was like no small feet because like I said, their music is epic. And afterwards, Ellis sat down with me to talk about a song and a record that he heard when he was five, but that still affects him and the music that he makes today. So here he is, Ellis Ludwig Leon. Yeah, so uh, actually... You know, a song that that uh, really was a, a big uh, deal to me was is the song Graceland from the album Graceland, the, the Paul, Paul Simon, Simon record. Oh, it was just like that whole record for me really was one of the first times I remember thinking that I had like a, a really personal experience with music. Um, you know, my parents used to play in their studio back when I was a kid, and I mm-hmm. remember just like loving the latest with Backman Bazo, uh, the backup vocals and all that. And uh, so that song, and still to this day, is one of my very favorite records. Do you remember how old you were when you heard it? Like, yeah, like were probably you five or six. Five or six. Okay, yeah. so and your parents are musicians? They're actually, they are uh, p- uh, painters, visual artists. Oh. 
Oh, oh, so in their studio, so they, play, they, yeah, would, they would play mm-hmm. the music while yeah, they painted. Yeah, yeah. It was like either Both NPR. Both of your parents are painters? Or, yeah. People say she's crazy. She got diamonds on the soles of her shoes. And yeah, and I just grew up like hanging out in their studio a lot when I was a kid, and so I would hear, you know, all the music that they would listen to. Do you remember what it was about that record as opposed to all the other music that they were playing? I think it like sounded so different, you know. I mean that that the the Ladysmith Choir. I mean, it was just so something that I'd never heard. Um, and then I also remember like the the first that was really the first time that lyrics started to like hit me in a real way. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, there's like you know, there's the line about the human trampoline in, in Graceland, and I, I remember thinking like, I love trampolines, but I don't get this, you know. So <laughs> what is this? Yeah, that he's exactly. Describing? Exactly. There is a girl in New York City who calls herself the human trampoline. Sometimes when I'm falling, flying, tumbling, in turmoil, I say, Whoa! So this is what she means. She means we're bouncing into Graceland. Did you play any music at that time when you were that young, or was that the first time that you thought you might want to play? Well, the story about how I started is, uh, I, I just have to trust my parents on this, I have no idea if this is true, uh, which is we were, I was signing up for basketball when I was like eight, I think, and um, I guess there was like a piano around the corner, like an old out-of-tune library piano, we were in like the public library. Right. And uh, and I started like, I guess I like started messing around on it, and the the librarian told my dad, like, oh, it sounds like someone actually, like, he's taking lessons or something. And I hadn't. And so my dad's like, I guess we have to do that now. Oh. Uh, <laughs> they, they, like, kind of heard it. Yeah, like, like I then... guess I was pretty, you know, uh, initially good with it. And, and Were you then, the kind of kid who, like, took le- piano lessons and actually enjoyed them and practiced? Kind of. I had, like, a weird experience with it, which is I, the first couple years, I just did local lessons. And that was fun. But, you know, I went through teachers very quickly. And yeah. then. Um, and then I started studying with the, a professor named Steven Erickson who worked at like the college that my dad taught at. And, um, and then he like started getting me to do, you know, Prokofiev and like real like classical music. And that was really weird for me because I liked the jock aspect of it. Like I was always into playing something as hard as possible, you know, what, what's the most difficult piece I can play? Uh-huh. But I didn't understand anything about the context of it, really. So I didn't know when those things were written or what it was about or any of the theory. You just wanted to play it because it was a challenge? Yeah, it was like a, it was like a sport, you know. And were so, you playing sports too? Is oh that... yeah, I was a big basketball player. Oh, okay. And uh, and so I just had treated it as a sport until I basically went to college and then like had to totally re-evaluate my relationship with, with music. So did you... You hear it Graceland at five, and then you start playing at eight, mm-hmm. but but pretty much all classical. Like, did you do any kind of pop? Were you in bands in high school? Yeah, I had. I actually, when I met Alan, our, our singer, uh-huh. uh, we had we had a series of of doomed bands. Uh, in high school? In high school, we didn't, we didn't go to the same high school, but we we met, you know, while we were in school. What were your early band names? Gets the girl was the. Was Gets, the that's actually a really good <laughs> band name. I, and I mean, that actually it, you're laying you're laying out on the table maybe it what was your intentions. Basically, are. as honest as as we I've we've ever been with music, I suppose. And that you know those we just played like house parties and stuff. And uh, and that was what kind of music were you playing? Like you know, it sounded kind of like Jack Johnson or something. It was like okay. guitar, like who's the guitar rock? Uh, that was like early high school. And uh, and then you know we sort of we sort of worked on it through college, but I also got involved with like classical composition in college, and we kind of he was playing basketball. We kind of took some time uh, where we didn't take it as seriously, and then I got out of school and I said I was a year ahead of him, and I said hey I'm gonna like write this record, 
uh, and then he gave it, he said, I'll give it one year when I graduate before I go to law school to see if it works, which never works, you know. <laughs> what? That's like a crazy, yeah. like, short timeline I know, and, and somehow, like, we got the record deal in, in time, and so now he's permanently derailed, you know. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> it's easier. relationship changed to music in college. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So how did it change? I mean, and did Grace, was Graceland like a record that you went back to that helped you kind of understand? Well, I, yeah, I think the reason that, that what that, you wanted it to be. Yeah, like, the reason that record stands out to me still is that from age, you know, five or six until now, it stayed one of my favorite records, which is basically nothing else as, you know, yeah. my other it's one was a, like Space Jam, the, the, you know, the soundtrack. Space which, Jam, which, the soundtrack? Which was a great soundtrack, I will say. <laughs> but, you know, it was like, uh, it was like one of these records that I kept coming back to after three or four years, and it would be it would mean something different to me. Yeah. And I think that's when I started to you know think about music as having you know layers that hit you in different ways. Uh, and when I write, I try to write songs that you could put on at a party, but also I want songs that you really can think about. You know, and that's that record does that so well, Graceland. I mean, you can call me out. It's just a party song. But yeah. if you listen to it, it's like you know real. Yeah. And I think it's about like meeting Pierre Boulez randomly, the composer. It's like super. I, I've never thought to look up what the mm-hmm. what the story behind that is. A man walks down the street. He says, "Why am I soft in the middle now? Why am I soft in the middle? The rest of my life is so hard. I need a photo opportunity. I want a shot of redemption. Don't want to end up a cartoon in a cartoon graveyard." There's uh, there's sort of a world that's created with the lyrics. Like even though he's talking about Memphis in one song and. Africa and another song and all these different places, you feel like it, you know, that's, you feel like it all is part of, it's of one thing. Yeah, yeah, one world. And that's what I also really wanted to do when I started writing music was create like a world that it made sense to live in. Right. So create kind of like a, right. a, a point of view. Right. So how does it make you feel to listen to Graceland now? Like, um, like you know, still. it's still there. It's still there, yeah. which is kind of amazing. Uh, is it like an, I don't know, a multi-layered ecstatic joy along with like... Yeah, well, there's, you know, there's certainly certainly some nostalgia. Uh-huh. Um, but it's, I think that also I uh, I still pull out musical ideas from that. I mean, recently, you know, we put out a, a, a new song called No Devil. And like the tom, the tom drums in that are totally just like... In, you know, inspired by the toms on that on that record, yeah. and that's something that I didn't care about five years ago when I listened to that record. I was caring about you know the vocals or something else. And so there's right. there's so many things to get involved with there. So many things to pull from. It's like it's a texture here, it's a yeah. lyric here, it's yeah. a arrangement. Yeah, here. yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's that's great. I'm. It's the records that keeps on giving, man. So I know. Well, there's you know, and, and if you're lucky, you have like five of those, you know, in yeah. your life, and and and. Uh, they kind of anchor you a little bit as you keep going. Yeah, yeah, I think so. They, they, um, yeah, they make you what you are. Right. And when you hear a record when you're five years old, it actually does like it stays with sculpt you. Sculpt you, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for sitting down no and talking. Thanks for having me.
left my soul Cause the devil he'd been dragging me down Laid right down in a brand new place Miles and miles behind me for a blank slate this is No Devil from San Fermin's 2015 record Jackrabbit. And like I said, the music, it's big. And I looked it up. You Can Call Me Al is in fact about Paul Simon meeting Pierre Boulet at a party. The composer called Paul Simon Al accidentally, and he called his wife Betty. And you know, Paul Simon actually has a new record out. It's called Stranger to Stranger, and he's still doing it. That thing that Ellis was attracted to at five years old when he heard Graceland. Paul Simon is still combining novel sounds with gorgeous lyrics. I wonder what Ellis thinks of the new record. I'll post a link to the Viewhouse video of San Fermin performing backstage at ACL Fest on the page for this episode so that you too can watch San Fermin in action. And I'll also post a link to the new Paul Simon song, Wristband, from his new record so you can see what the creator of Graceland is up to today. Now, before I go on, I want to ask you a question. Are you a subscriber to this song? If you are, then, like, awesome, audio high five. And if you're not, then, well, I'd like to encourage you to click on over to iTunes and become a This Song subscriber. That way you'll get the next episode with Borns and Calliope musicals delivered right to you, and you can look through our archive and hear folks like Tom Green of Alt-J or Mark Mothersbaugh of Devo talk about songs that totally changed their lives. Right on. Next up, John and Tracy Dell from the Austin band El Tule. Their band is named after a huge tree in Oaxaca, Mexico that, according to Wikipedia, has the stoutest trunk of any tree in the world. Like I said, it's a huge tree. And the band, and hang with me for a second, because I'm not 100% sure that this metaphor works, but like the band El Tule is like the tree El Tule. They have a base. They have a stout trunk. But then they also have branches. They branch off into all kinds of music, whether it's reggae or salsa or cumbia. They play music that combines many things into one. Did that work? I'm really not sure, but I'm going with it. And... The band, they didn't really have a coherent sound until a couple years ago. They had to go on a journey to find their voice as a group. So here they are, John and Tracy Dell of El Tule. I think maybe the most prominent song that uh, stood out to me for the way we I play now is El Ciclón, the La Sonora. Sonora, sonorita. Esta la sonora di dinamita. There you go. You can help me. La what? Wait, so that one more time. La sonorita dinamita. It's la sonora dinamita. They're like Mexican go. guys playing Colombian music. And it's super powerful bass, and it's a fun song. It it makes you swing. It's awesome. Tú eres como un ciclón. Tú eres como un ciclón. Arrastrando con todo. Quemándote mi vida. Arrastrando mi amor, dejando una herida en todo mi corazón. What was it about that song, like as opposed to other songs? Because you've probably been listening to some other songs in that style. Like, it, can you describe what it is about the bass in that song? The the energy and the tone, it's fun, and it just the song sounds like a party. It's exciting and yeah. I. I 
I don't know how to describe it. occupies that really interesting space between melody and rhythm. Like, mm-hmm. bass is like a bridge mm-hmm. between what's going on, you know, with the vocals and the guitar and the melodic instruments yeah. and what's going on with the drums. And so I feel like, in some ways, it's the most uniquely positioned to, like, create a vibe mm-hmm. because it is, it's doing so much. I mean, people kind of, like, overlook bass all the time. Mm-hmm. But a really good bass line can absolutely make a song. Yeah, so. it can really add a lot of swing to something that would that might not otherwise have uh, that low end bringing it back and forth. Um, I don't know if that makes sense, but I think it can get, it can really give like the pulse of mm. the song. Like yeah. in a very, I mean, a good bass player, like you just kind of. You know, a good play, bass player playing with a good drummer, it's like you cannot not move, you know? <laughs> exactly, exactly. And, and I've been lucky with this band playing. It's it's move your body music. Yeah. It was, was that the first time that you kind of, like, understood something new about what you wanted to do with bass? Like, you heard it and you were like, that. I want to make people feel like that. Oh, yeah. yeah There's a lot of sure. cumbia out there, and it's fun. Some of it's more traditional. And some of it's more contemporary, and ex- they experiment with sounds and and different fun things that they throw in there, and and uh, so that I think is what I'm attracted to. The, the traditional stuff is great, but I like the more contemporary. The band that you were talking about, you said that they play, there are Mexican guys playing Colombian music. Is it a specific genre that they're playing? Or yeah, is it like... It's cumbia. Well, that, that's kind of... Is kinda, cumbia Colombian? Like, well, it has like uh, Afro-Latin roots and it's some say it's from like Africa or, you know, Colo- it, basically it's going north. It's like Colombia and then the, you know, bands like uh, Sonora Dinamita and uh, Celso Piña, they... They adopted the music and kind of made it their own. And now there's other bands, whether it's like digital DJs or rock bands, it's, it keeps up. What the thing about Kumja is it has this swinging uh, foundation but it keeps evolving into different different uh it keeps t- taking on different shapes and it and it's yet to, to stop and so we kind of uh we started out playing it was all over the place it was like kind of like an identity crisis or something i mean we were playing all oh, the world reggae rock blue it was all over and then uh we like tracy said we heard some of this celso piña type stuff and we said wow that's that's I mean, it's amazing the way that the bass interacts with the rest of the instruments it's feel-good party music everybody loves it uh it just incites a dance riot at times it's hilariously fun and original and innovative and uh i personally just can't get enough of it
what's the basic like feel of cumbia? Can you like, is it one of yeah. those things where you can go like it's like boom, boom, yeah. boom? Yeah, it's salsa. Uh, cumbia is like you know that you've got the weedle, and you've got the 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 just the rolling bass line, doom, 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 and you got the cumbia on the up. Is there is there an instrument called? The cumbia? No, no, the, no. the, the, oh, the uh, you, you missed the conga. conga. Oh, the conga. Yeah. I was yeah. like, oh, there's an instrument called the cumbia. I don't know about it. Yeah, which I, 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 I'm starting to think of like I might have been like a conga player in my past life or something. I, I just, I love it. I, I, I tried and I, I just, I can't pull it off. So it's conga. <laughs> <laughs> I stick with guitar. It's conga on the upbeat. Yes. Like, okay. Yes. So ding, ding, kind of a resounding. It has up. like a little hop, like a like ska-ish kind of even. And then you know with a, with like and then also salsa piña and also it's kind of like we're trying to figure out how to do this music right we we listen to it we love it well but we we have like bass drums and two electric guitars and we even have people going as far as to say well it's like you know that's not really traditional enough or it's too traditional or and you know something about salsa piña also is that he um Okay, so we're, Tracy's like from the border. I'm from Monterrey, a little bit further south, but we're basically all around the same types of music. Well, Celso, grew, he started this band with his um, with his brothers, and they're playing what's typically played around everywhere. It's like Norteño and this and that. But he hears these Colombian bands, and he says, oh, my gosh, I want to do that. And then there's this famous song, this uh, Cumbia Sobre el Rio, where they're interviewing him and it has like a little snippet and, and the interviewing guy says, well, Celso, who's going to play this music? Who, who's going to listen to this? And he says, well, well, I am. And that's kind of like the approach we've taken. Well, you know, we're, we're just going to do it and see what happens. And here we are, you know, over a decade later, uh, and it's only been the last couple of years that we really found our sense of identity and things really got swinging with the horns and which is another big influence it's like listen to these salsa bands like fruco mm -hmm. uh the first time i heard those horns i was just floored by it they're just full horn big powerful horn section again now we're going to try to like incorporate salsa horns and cumbia rhythms and rock instrumentation and we mix it all up and what you get is uh el tule. so was it kind of hearing salsa pino like just say like i'm just doing my own like i'm just doing what i want to do exactly my own thing yes exactly do because you think that that freed you up in order like to find your identity like we yes. don't have to play any kind of specific genre thing we can actually take yeah it doesn't have to for be sure. perfectly yeah traditional it can be a little bit different and it can be ours and that's okay This is El Vintarron from El Tule's latest record, Cuatro, and don't you just want to dance? It's really freeing when you decide that basically 
you can play the music that you want to play the way that you want to play it. And Austinites, you have a chance to see El Tule live. They'll be playing Saturday, June 18th and Saturday, July 2nd at Guero's Taco Bar here in Austin. Now, for those of you who don't live here, they came into KUTX and performed in Studio 1A last year. Studio 1A is our beautiful performance space here at the station where over 300 bands a year play. So I'll post a link to the audio for that Studio 1A session so that even if you don't live in Austin or if you just want to get your dance on right now, you can get down with El Tule. And that's it. We have come to the end of another episode of this song. This song is a production of KUTX 98.9. This episode was produced and edited by David Sanger and me, Elizabeth McQueen, with help from Art Levy. Jake Perlman recorded the interview with Ellis Ludwig Leon backstage at Austin City Limits Festival, and I recorded the interview with John and Tracy Dell. William Maxwell is our awesome intern and thank you to Peter Babb and Dietrich Ott for all their help with this podcast. And yes, it's true. Our theme song is Mahoot by Austin's own excellent hard proof Afrobeat. You can email us at this song at KUTX.org or follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Snapchat. Our handle is at this song KUTX. You can follow us on Facebook and you can subscribe to this song along with the other KUTX podcast liner notes song of the day and Austin Music Minute on iTunes. And like I said, we would love a rating or a review. Right on. Thanks for listening. I'll talk to you next time. KUT's next AT Explained Live show is April 3rd. Brand new stories about Austin's people, places, and culture told live on stage by your favorite KUT journalists. I've never gotten any specific invites from Steiner Ranch. And that's about the time Charlie chomped down on that chicken. I will hypnotize you into securing my law services. Join us April 3rd at the Paramount Theater for KUT's next AT Explained Live. Tickets are on sale now. Get them at austintheater.org. And we'll see you there.